So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, um, how the big coiners are throwing stones at, at uh, all coins. All coins, of course, are all the coins, cryptos that exist, you know, except for Bitcoin. And um, they've always done this, but recently they've been stepping up their game. And, you know, when a, when a crypto uh, token or ecosystem or project blows up, um there's a lot of cover. There's a lot of cover for them to throw shade on another project that loses, you know, 99% of its value, like the Luna token and their stable coin. Uh, but I think because they look, you know, the Bitcoin, Bitcoin project. their cryptos than not so there's this guy Saifedean who's pretty prominent in the Bitcoin space who came up with the economic well he didn't come up with it I don't think but he is a proponent of the economic theory that Bitcoin is digital gold and it's scarce and that's why it has value um, but it's not scarce if there's thousands of other projects that you know can act like Bitcoin that can adopt similar the similar philosophy as Bitcoin. For example, adopt proof of work just like Bitcoin. Now, they, they're not going to be exactly like Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin has this community around it, has a history. But you can try to, you can also say your project's scarce and race on proof of work. And you could even limit it to 21 million coins and have the same algorithmic, um, you know, supply schedule where it halves every four years. You could basically set up the same, the same project. Um, you know, and, and lately the Safedine guy and others have been saying that every other crypto project by default is a security, but, 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 but Bitcoin is not. So my question would to, be, to them would be, well, if a project that a new project came about today and they set up the same philosophy as Bitcoin, the same kind of code, right? Basically the same thing. Would that be a security, you know, you know, where the issuer, also was anonymous, um, you know, but was mining in the beginning, right? Because we know Satoshi mined a lot of a lot of coins, um, and no one really knows who this person was. He probably died, but the Bitcoiners think that, that Satoshi never sold any. Well, I don't think that's true. <laughs> they 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 don't know because they don't they they can't tell us who it is. So we have no idea actually if this person mined a lot. We 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 assume he did, but. You know, we don't know how much he sold. And so the Bitcoiners are thinking, well, this was the most fair distribution ever. And that's why they don't think it's a security. They think that um, Satoshi announced it before he did any mining because they, they rat on all these other projects for, for something called pre-mining where the, the issuer will mine first and then sort of announce it publicly. But, you know, Satoshi didn't really announce it publicly either. He announced it to two very specific news like um email letters he didn't announce it to facebook he didn't announce it to youtube and he could have and he could have showed his face but he didn't um but i, I just think that bitcoin looks a lot more like other crypto projects than than um than it is unique it's not really that unique and the bitcoiners really show their hand when they when they just rail on other projects um, and they think that Bitcoin, like they think the laws don't apply to Bitcoin, but they think the laws apply to every other 
cryptocurrency. And that is going to create, and they do so because, of course, they want the advantage. They want they want people to buy Bitcoin and not other altcoins. So, um, so this is all to their advantage. But that's going to start backfiring. And if you if you do look at Twitter, um, and I'm not really on there, but you know, I sort of look up these prominent Bitcoiners, and they're they're really coming out like Adam Back is really coming out against Litecoin <laughs> yesterday. And I think it's because, and, and they got, you know, the Litecoin community got really upset because they're like, hey, look, we, we have this almost the same code as Bitcoin, and we've implemented all these extra features Bitcoin hasn't, and we, Bitcoin got to test, you know, how, how the code might, might work on Litecoin, and I don't know the specifics, but the Litecoin community was pretty upset about that, uh, because basically the default position for all the Bitcoiners is that every other single cryptocurrency is a shitcoin. <laughs> um... But, you know, it's funny that they do back Tether. Like, they do they do like Tether. They don't want to throw any shade on, on Tether. And some of the Bitcoiners do do not like the stable coins. But I'll say a lot of them do. And they do because they know. They know that Bitcoin is priced in dollars. And they know that these stable coins can be printed out of thin air without backing. Very easily. Without anybody really knowing. And this accounts for a large portion of the trading pairs of Bitcoin. Uh, and so they can manipulate the price uh, through these stablecoin products because they're not dollars. They're they're a, you know, there's county party risk there. And we have no idea. Tether won't tell us. You know, I even suspect USDC is doing this. And I know Tether's doing it, where they loan out the crypto. Um, they create it and they loan it out at the same time. And then they put like an IOU on their balance sheet that says, well, we'll, you know, uh, Celsius has to pay us back, you know, so much uh, percentage um, or whoever, whoever they're doing business with. And I know that they're doing this because it makes sense logically. I know that Tether is loaning out Tether itself, like the crypto. And think about it for a minute. Um, If they were doing it legitimately, if they were doing it where each tether first was backed by a dollar that was brought into this world, they would have to, their creation process is such, they create a unit of tether um, by taking in a dollar. They, they have a dollar down on their balance sheet. The, teller, the tether is in someone else's hands, right? They gave them the dollar. The, the dollar. So to loan out tether itself, tether would have to go back into the tether mar- into the market and buy back tether with a dollar on their balance sheet and then lend out the tether that they now have that would be legitimate right that but but of course that doesn't make sense right when you can just create the tether at one time and then lend it out right without any backing that that is what you would do because the other scenario doesn't really make sense um, now I'm not saying they do this with all their their tether of course like so if 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 they can get people to actually give them real dollars for their tether, they're going to take it. I just think they have specific partners in the, you know, in the market that they just lend to out of thin air. Uh, and, and this is, of course, this is, you know, they're big, big friends, like big, big players, right? That aren't going to, that aren't going to just um, crash the market, that aren't going to, they're going to help tether defend the peg. Think of like an FTX, right? A partner of tether, you know, somebody who, wants who benefits from the creation of this stuff out of thin air 
uh, and so it's not going to crash the market that you can depend on to help support your peg. And where is the peg supported? Because not everybody can redeem Tether for dollars. It's, it is basically supported on the secondary market. It's supported on the exchanges. So these exchanges tell the market or tell people, hey, the peg is still holding, the peg is still holding. Um, because not everybody can redeem. So if they can just convince the market that the, that the peg is holding through these exchanges, people think it's holding. So that is sort of the, the beauty of, of what Tether's done in a way. I mean, uh, because they don't allow everyone to redeem. And if they, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, if they don't allow everyone to redeem, is it really fully backed? I mean, is it, can you really say that this thing is fully backed? I mean, is it really collateralized with dollars? And we know also that they don't just hold dollars. We know that they hold um, commercial paper or, or loan, you know, they hold, basically they've lent supposedly dollars to the to people um, and this is what's backing their tether. So this isn't liquid. Sometimes when you lend a company money, you can't, I mean, there's, there's, there's a term, right, that you, you expect to be paid back. You may not be paid back at all. There's all this counterparty risk. So Tether is also sort of con the market into thinking that it, it, it's liquid, that everyone can just can, um, can, can come to it and, and get, well, not everybody. They, they, I think they tell people now that only, people, only certain people can, can redeem. But they assume that the peg will hold. They assume that just them talking will hold the peg. And so far it's worked. Um, and I was listening to, I kind of got off topic, but I was listening to um, a, a, a um, Cynthia Loomis. She's a senator. Um, and she was on this AEI Institute. They had this little panel uh, and she spoke first. And someone called in with a question because they're talking about how they want to regulate the crypto industry broadly. But uh, this question was specifically about stable coins. They got on that topic. And the question was, was saying, hey, why don't you regulate it like a, a, mon a market mutual fund, which is, um, which is, uh, I guess it gives some kind of return. I don't know. I don't think I've ever been in mutual, maybe in my 401k, but, but like a mutual fund, it's basically where you're, what are you doing? You're, you're lending money, right? For some rate of return that's promised. And a mutual fund, it's a pool. So it's a security because number one, you're lending someone and they're, you're expecting some return. So it's like you're investing in a, in a company, but you're, but a mutual fund means you're investing in like a lot of companies and they're pooling risk. And whenever you're pooling risk, that has security all over it. Um, but you're also sort of investing and you're expecting a return. Well, what is, what are you doing when you give Tether or USDC a dollar? Well, you're basically giving them a dollar that they can go then invest in, right? And make all kinds of returns for themselves and manage their risk. Now with a stable coin, the name implies you're not going to get a return, but you don't expect to lose your money either. And there's an implicit promise there that Tether uh, will be responsible and will at least have assets that they can sell to then redeem because this is the, this is the promise at least that they make to some customers. Well, you know, and we know that Tether doesn't just have dollars. They've got, I guess they've got treasuries. I guess they've lent money to different uh, corporations and, you know, a lot of the crypto industry, um, you know, so it's kind of putting their, their eggs all in one basket. Maybe they could buy some gold or something that maybe might be a little bit more stable, but who knows, maybe they don't want to do that because they just want to support, you know, crypto. 
uh, you know, they're a huge lender now on the market and they're a huge supporter. They've got $80 billion, you know, dollars. Where's this all going to go? Well, most of it's going to support other crypto companies or maybe even buying Bitcoin itself. Some people have speculated. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what are they doing? They're, 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 they're basically getting this money for free from you because you don't expect a return, right? Because it's a stable coin. And they're, they're saying, well, we're, we're going to keep the peg. We're going we're gonna to do our best, right? That's what they say. Uh, and that you can eventually get real money, get the dollars out that you put in with them. Well, this has got security written all over it as well. I don't know why this is, isn't a security already. It's very clearly a security to me. And the problem is, is that, you know, the Bitcoiners, this is going back to my original topic, the Bitcoiners saying that everything else but Bitcoin is a security. Well, I guess they assume, you know, I guess they mean Tether, right? I guess they mean the stable coins, which in my opinion, yes, these are, these are definitely securities. In my opinion, an argument can be made that everything is a security uh, in crypto world, but, but for sure, these stable coins are because, you know, they're taking in money, there's a promise, there's this implicit promise not to to lose the, the, the uh, you know, the funds backing it. Um, and so it, this question that this um, person gave to Loomis was great. And she said, well, I hadn't thought about that because, you know, there's all kind there's different kinds of stable coins in the market. And there's different people who are, are trying to, um, to, to implement these different stable coins or different mechanisms, right? Partially backed, crypto collateralized backed, dollar backed, um, et cetera. And so they want, so, so if you want, if you want, um, if you, if you don't want to compete with like the algorithmically backed ones, and if you don't want them blowing up, like, cause they, they tend to blow up, uh, faster because they're more experimental and it's very difficult to hold up, you know, to, to fix price fix basically when, uh, you don't really have the collateral and backing it and you don't allow redemptions, but they're trying it, they're experimenting. But this is presenting a problem for all the other stablecoin projects, the ones like USDC, who want to back it with dollars or at least like treasuries, I suppose. Um, but what they consider maybe more safe uh, options. But they, you know, USDC also has commercial lending, commercial paper is what they call it. But they've also lent money cor- to corporations. In my opinion, you know, how, how do you think that you're better? I mean, maybe because you, you've lent to maybe better institutions, but I don't know. But they won't tell us who. I don't think they're telling us who they've lent to. So in my opinion, I mean, why maybe USDC is a little bit safer than, than Tether, but I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, until they tell you, until they completely open their books, which they, they haven't really been that forthcoming either. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you could say that they're, they're not. Um, but anyways, you know, Loomis wants to have like FDIC insurance. She wants to have, um, she wants to basically maybe have a bank issue these, um, these, these products. Uh, but you know, this, this is, this is not going to get a stablecoin project out of the woods. You might say, okay, so FDIC would protect the dollars, um, supposedly, right. But, um, but you know, if you invest in like a USDC, sorry, if you, if you hand them a dollar, are they just supposed to leave the dollar in a checking account? I mean, a bank, the whole business is to lend. I mean, so if they give all banks sort of just this blanket approval, they're going to be lending this, they're going to be taking a risk, and the, the, the taxpayer that is going to have to be on the hook for any kind of loss. Um, because that's what FDIC, FDIC insurance is for. It's for the, 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 um, the unfortunate case where a bank uh, makes some bad investments, and then 
you know, the, the deposits are then can't be, um, they can't be, uh, they're, they're, they're gone, right? Because the bank lost all this money. That's what FDIC insurance is for. Um, so, uh, so, so, um, I forgot what I was talking about here, but, um, but I think these products, I mean, a stable coin is, is, um, it's a token predator, uh, predominantly. And we, we don't, uh, we, we don't want to go down the route of thinking this product is native to a bank because it's just fundamentally not. These things exist right now on a blockchain. And how are you going, how is a, how is a financial institution going to deal with a case of a hack of their stable coin? Now they still have, they control the backing of it. They control the dollars or whatever they've invested in, but how are they going to determine who gets made whole, what they're going to honor, because there's all kinds of hacks in crypto. Um, and so I just, I see this being a huge legal problem for them. I mean, how are they going to determine what's really settled, what's not? What if there's a hard fork? What if there's a 51% attack? Who, what are they going to do? Um, you know, and this is not even considering the fact that institutions need to KYC every hop. And if they're issuing a product called a stable coin, which I'm not even sure what this is, you know, what, what, what is this product that a bank is issuing? Um, but how are, how, why is it okay that if they issue a stable coin, they don't have to KYC every hop because they would KYC just like tether the direct customers that they have. But then once this thing is in the, you know, in the DeFi world or wherever it ends up, you know, peer to peer, you can't KYC that. Uh, so, so why does that get around the laws of, you know, money transmission or not being able to KYC? Um, but, but the entire rest of the financial community doesn't get to do that. Um, I, I don't know. So to me, in my opinion, it's like, it's like a mutual fund perhaps where you're giving the stable coin issuer, um, real dollars they're making some kind of promise that they're not going to lose this, these dollars. And they, they have basically free reign to invest these dollars, how they see fit. They don't really have to give you a return. They give you a return of zero, but that doesn't mean that they're not a security um, because they have a promise not to lose that money either, like to fully redeem because stable coins themselves are not money. Again, they're, they're, they're just tokens. Uh, they're like every other crypto project with this idea that you can, pay it to a stable price so they're fundamentally not digital dollars they're they're just tokens that have this goal a goal and maybe even a promise but you know we've seen that you know even tether can lose its peg for at least a time for at least a short time um they're they're creating these tokens they're trying to price fix them basically through backing but the backing only really helps stabilize a token's price, like a stablecoin, if it's fully redeemable. And here's my other problem with this idea, is that I don't like the fact that only certain people can redeem for dollars. At a bank, when you give your money to a bank, um, you can always get that cash out. Always. Right? Uh, maybe they limit you to $10,000 a day or whatever it is in cash, but you can actually get this money out. You can transfer it out. Um, and 
but but taking it out, having the dollars in your hand, or at least being able to move it to maybe another institution digitally, uh, that is a very different relationship because, you know, I'm not a big person like Celsius, right? And I can still go to my bank and get the dollar, withdraw these dollars out. So I know that the bank is solvent because I can, I only know it's solvent if I personally can go get these dollars out, which is the, the dollars that you can withdraw. That's basically real money. That's how you know it's solvent because otherwise it's just numbers on a computer. And I realized that, that our digital dollars, I mean, we, we have digital, digital dollars, like the, the crypto industry did not invent this new thing called the digital dollar. Um, but so money was cash first, or well, it was gold, and then they, they made the dollar, and then uh, they backed the dollar with gold, and then they removed gold from the backing, and then they put it all in computers. And then they started, you know, the Fed started creating new new dollars just through through lines on a computer. So we think of dollars as these digital units in our bank account, which, you know, there's our, there's our bank balance. Um, but what we... We see it and we think it's real, but we also have this idea of, well, is the bank solvent? Have they, have they got the dollars there? Can I actually withdraw it at any time? And I only know that, really. I can, I can know that if, number one, I see some news story that they're going under, but the, Fed, but the FDIC is there for me, so I'm okay. But I only really know it exists if I can actually move it or take it out or redeem the actual cash dollars. And with a stablecoin product, they're definitely going to start limiting, you know, they want to limit who can, who can redeem. I mean, otherwise they're basically a bank and like they, they have, they have to, they have so many customers. And I mean, I guess they could do this in theory, but there'd be so, it'd be so expensive. I think, I think just to even um, implement this for everybody. I mean, you'd have a, a nightmare as far as cost. Like it's a new type of product. It's not just like a check. Um, and I've heard people compare stable coins to checks. Like, so if a bank were to issue this thing called a stable coin, what, what is this thing? Um, well, what is, what is like a cashier's check? Number one, cashier's check is drawn off the bank's assets. So what happens if you go to the bank and you want to get a cashier's check? Or if you go to any other person that, that doesn't? Well, you, the money is taken from your account or you present money. So, and then, and then it's um, it's taken from your account and it's put on the bank's sheet, balance sheet, right? Sort of. So then this cashier's check, at least, would guarantee that that you can. Um, it's a guaranteed payment, and it's coming from the bank itself. So if you want to pay so and so, usually they make you type in. They, they type it in for you. They're typing it in for you because this is a guaranteed check, and they want to know who you're paying. Uh, usually, now if you go to like, you know, I'm in Texas, so if you go to like an HEB grocery store. They'll give you a money order and you just give them cash. And usually they'll just leave it blank, but they will put in the dollar amount. Um, so I guess sometimes they don't care who you're, who you're, you know, they let you fill it in, but, but they definitely put the number in there and they have to sign it because it's a check issued off the bank. Now you can go present this to someone and you know how you can sign a check and then forward it to someone else, right? And they can take it as payment and they might take it as payment. Uh, well, technically this, this check, and maybe it's different with cashier checks, personal checks, you can do that with, you know, and they might be suspicious if there's a bunch of names forwarding it all to all these different people, but in theory, you can do that. And so is that kind of like a stable coin where there's, there's, there's this initial backing that, that goes into this product. And then, uh, 
you know, a stable coin can go through the name many different hops. And then at the end of the day, if somebody actually wants to take the stable coin and redeem it, they go to the issuer, you know, like a bank or something, and then they can take, they can get the dollars. Um, but you know, so a, a check is like a negotiable instrument. It's this thing that can, it's an order to pay. It's a promise. The bank has to, has to, um, pay. So if you get a cashier's check and you hand it to somebody, they are ordered to pay and the funds are considered secured because the funds have been supposedly set aside. Um, versus a personal check, we know that personal checks can bounce because these are drawn off your own funds, your own funds, right? And so we all know that this can bounce. Uh, but the cashier's check, people are supposed to have more confidence in that because it's drawn off the bank. It's supposed to be the bank paying you and this instrument called a check is an order to pay it's a promise now comparing this to stable coins in my opinion a stable coin is acting like this cashier's check it's acting like a a promise an order to pay because um your the stable coin issuer is pooling funds there's no individual accounts when you give like a tether uscc a dollar they're pooling this so it's like going from your account to a pooled fund that they control. So then a stable coin, if you want to have this analogy, is then this um, order to pay. And whoever whoever ends up with the stable coin, right, in theory, uh, should pay up. I mean, I'm sorry, they, if they want to redeem it, they should be able to. Or otherwise, it's, it, the analogy fails. Like, you know, um, you need to honor this. Like, you know, you need to honor this redemption request. Like if you want to do a direct analogy and you want to say that this is exactly like a bank product, a digital dollar, or the stable coin is like an order to pay that can be negotiated or it can be um, sent to someone and then the bank has to pay it, right? Because this is, this was what this instrument does. A stable coin then, um, um, well, of course, you know, a stable coin is a little bit different. You don't have like a person's name, uh, you know, but you, you, you send it to them because you send it to their address that they sent it to you, sent it you, that they gave you. So it's kind of like the same thing. But this is what they want to do. They want to make a digital version of an order to pay that represents dollars. Uh, and they, but you know, we already have the digital version, but they want to do it on on crypto. They want to, so they want to invent this whole product for crypto. But uh, but there's some issues, right? There's some there's some issues because. You know, with the cashier's check, you have to have a name, right? And then they have to present it uh, to their bank to deposit it. And so their name's recorded. And, and the government, you know, can track all this stuff. Now, the analogy I said where you maybe could, could you know, put someone's name on it and then they sign it. But then they say, I want to I forward this check to, to so-and-so. And then they put their name on it. And then they, maybe they say, oh, I'll just forward this on to, to another person. I mean, it's going to look quite suspicious if there's like thousands of names on the back of this check. I mean, number one, you can't fit thousands of names. Number two, they're going to flag it and say, what is going on here? Why has this thing been circulating? Why has this not actually like been deposited anywhere? Uh, I mean, there might even be a limit on how many days this thing might even expire. I don't know. Cashier's check might expire. Um, I worked at a bank a long time ago when I was in high school. But uh, I don't remember anyone having, you know, you know, lots of names. I mean, I remember as a kid writing a check or having a check and then like, you know, uh, to me and then putting my mom's name on the back or something. And then she would go to deposit it, you know, or just just stuff like that. But 
but this idea that you could just forward this check endlessly, that's kind of what stablecoin products are doing. And, you know, the big difference between like these cryptos and, and just the fintech world that we have uh, where there's all these innovation, there's all these innovation and payments. The difference is, is that they've created this like this token that represents these dollars that exist on like a blockchain. And this thing just trades and this thing has a market price on exchange and this thing can can be uh, have thousands of hops before it's ever redeemed like a like a stable coin, like a tether. Um, you know, the vast majority of tethers ever issued have probably never been redeemed. Right. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, probably very little in, in percentage to to how however many they have. So these these things just um, I don't really know what kind of instrument this thing is. Um, it's because, you know, it's almost like so with a cashier's check, the bank's name's on there. It's an order to pay. They have to pay it. I mean, they, they're saying the funds are there. They have to pay it. They have to, they have to honor it. Uh, no matter who gets it really. I mean, obviously if there's somebody on like a black terrorist list, they're not going to cash this check, but, 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 you know, they have to honor this. They, and you know, the other thing that's really cool about checks is that if you are unbanked, right, you, um, you can go to the, to the issuer of this checks bank and, and demand that they cash it. Because if you don't have a bank account to, to put it in, to deposit this, this check, cashier check, um, you can go to this bank because they promised the funds. Now, I think even if it's a personal check, you could go to the bank that it's drawn on. And now personal check, again, it's not guaranteed by the bank. There's some more discretion. They look up the account balance of whoever uh, wrote the check to see if it's good. But if it's good, they'll cash it for you. They'll cash it. Um, versus the stablecoin uh, projects that are collateralized by dollars, they say it's one to one. They want the market to think this because they because all they care about is where it trades and the peg. But they do not say that anybody can redeem this product. They can't say that anybody can redeem it. And I think that's the problem for me because. If you're not going to allow anyone to deem it, if you're not going to say this is an order, order to pay and that anybody can theoretically come here and, and get the dollars that are backing this stablecoin product up, you're not the same as a bank issuing a check. And until you 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 exactly uh, match the services of, of, you know, a bank where they are, they have to redeem and they have to redeem it in dollars. You know, maybe these stablecoin issuers should have to redeem it in dollars real dollars what if they had to have physical dollars right that you could physically come to them and say i want my redemption you know or or maybe they'll just say okay we'll send a wire to you maybe that's okay you know because a lot of these paypals they don't they're not going to give you physical dollars they're just going to send it to your bank um, but if you're trying to act like a bank if you're trying to get special privileges like a bank if you want to exist in the same regulatory framework as bank where you know we all know that when you deposit dollars to a bank this account is not treated as a security. It's just treated as it has its own separate environment. It has its whole its own separate legal environment. It's not treated as a security. But why? Because it's got additional regulations around it. It's heavily regulated. It's, it's, it's heavily scrutinized. They have FDIC. So people are less worried about the quality of the investments of the bank, less worried about the ability of the bank to, to make redemptions for them, right, that they'll honor them because they have they exist in this special regulatory environment. But, you know, the stablecoin issuers, um, uh, you know, they look more like money market 
funds to me. They look more like they're, they're risky products. And, you know, but, it, it, but, you know, if you want to say, well, this thing should be in a bank, but then you have another, you, you have maybe additional regulations and you might say it's safer, but then you have all these extra rules and all these extra costs for this bank to try to implement this stablecoin feature. And how, how can a financial institution rely on a blockchain that, um, where there's, there's no real clear rules, what is considered settlement, right? Be, and, and, and when, you know, there's no guarantee that your transaction will, will even get in the blockchain or get in when you want it to, or, um, yeah, so, so I just, I mean, they're going to have to have all these rules, like, we're going to have to wait so many blocks, or, or what if it forks, what are we going to do, or, you know, what if somebody's hacked, you know how, how banks right now, if your card is hacked, they pretty much will, will honor, you know, they'll, they'll refund you, and they just write it off as a loss, and they'll, they'll try to investigate who hacked you, and, you know, there's this whole department probably for that, um, but they honor this, like, are they just going to, how are they going to make decisions about, well, who got hacked and what protocol on DeFi? Should we honor this? Was this a hack or was it not a hack? Was it just an exploit that, or was it just a cool trade somebody did with a flash loan? Uh, what is considered a hack? What is considered malicious uh, to the eyes of a bank? I mean, it's, it's going to be virtually impossible to deal with, I think, as a, as a financial institution issuing a stable coin. You know, and I, I think that the banking sectors, the traditional banking se- sector might be upset with all this because they have all these rules they have to follow. And they can't just issue this crypto called stablecoin that, that's like they think is an order to pay and it's backed by dollars. But they just can circulate wherever, you know, in all these different countries like even North Korea. I mean, it, it, you don't know who, who has their hands on a tether. Um, and so why, why, why does this one particular product get an exemption? from all the other rules that everyone else has to abide by. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I guess there's pluses to, to, to stable coins. I'm not saying that they're completely terrible, but, um, you know, it is permissionless in a way, uh, you know, and maybe you can move money, uh, more quickly. And just, but, um, but I just, I'm commenting here on the legal, issues I think I see with them and how they're, they're just different than, than what we've currently been dealing with. Um, but I went on this whole topic of stable coins and I, I, I was actually wanting to talk more about how Bitcoin miners were money transmitters and how I, how I see this being a problem for them, especially when they keep throwing stones at other projects. Um, uh, because, you know, eventually they're going to make other projects very upset that they're sort of, you know, uh, uh, just bashing them and they're going to start, you know, maybe pointing out things that were papered over with Bitcoin, you know, the regulators might have missed uh, when they said that Bitcoin miners aren't money transmitters. Um, somebody pointed this out to me the other day from 2019, uh, where there was this this uh, statement from Fenson that said, as long as the Bitcoin miners aren't, you know, they're doing it as a personal thing and they're mining and they're they're spending this stuff you know, on, on purchases or goods, um, then they're not money transmitters, but they total. So they only got one part of mining. Bitcoin mining consists of two things, uh, mining new Bitcoin into existence, right? This reward of new Bitcoin. And then also the most important part probably, uh, for the rest of the people is, is confirming their transactions. And this is moving money from A to B. Now I realize it's a virtual ledger and, and the Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin miners don't have the private keys, 
of these people, right? So they don't really control it, but they are confirming it. And this is the source of truth for, for whether, you know, people look up the blockchain to see where the Bitcoin is. Uh, and fundamentally, you are moving value. I mean, Bitcoiners admit this because they admit that this is a payment mechanism or that, that you're moving value, you're moving Bitcoin. Um, you're sending Bitcoin. This is a way to send money. This, so they admit it, um, right? And, and I think they should be more focused on overturning the law, the BSA rules, the, the law that you have to sign up as a money transmitter and become regulated, um, call, you know, call it an invasion of privacy, whatever. But, um, but just pretending like, you know, you don't, your miners don't, don't, uh, um, don't have to follow these rules and somehow are exempt because, you know, this one guy was saying to me the other day that, well, they're just notaries and they're just, you know, stamping approval because the, 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 the transaction is, is emitted by the person who wants to move the Bitcoin. And yeah, that's true, but, but, but they're, they're combining all these transactions into this block when they're mining this block and adding it to the ledger, right? The, the ledger. And this is seen as the source of truth because if there's just a transaction out there and it's not confirmed, it's not considered um, valid, right? It's, it's not in the block. It's not in there. Um, and you can, you know, if you, you can send many of these transactions out and, you know, the first one technically that gets in the block is the one that's, you know, considered valid and the, where the funds move. So, uh, this idea that, um, that the miners have, they're just notarizing, stamping something. I mean, no, that they're, they're actually fundamental to the movement of funds in Bitcoin. I mean, if you didn't have the miners, uh, you, you, how would you get these transactions confirmed? How would you get them in the chain? What would be the source of truth for for what is the current state of the blockchain? So, if on a very fundamental level, yes, they don't intercept the payment flow, which we think of a custod. They they brought up the issues of custodian. They don't custody anything. Yeah, they don't custody anything. It's a new innovative way of of basically being a money transmitter. It's a new innovative way. You don't have to hold the keys. You don't have to custody it. Uh, and that's a unique thing that's new to blockchain. And I do give them that. But what I don't give them is the fact that they're not moving money. And if you look at money transmitter laws, Patriot Act, that stems from the Patriot Act, the very, very broadest definition of this is that it says you're moving funds from A to B, you know, from for somebody else uh, through any means. They, they added this language through any means. And a lot of the Bitcoiners want to focus on just... Um, uh, oh, well, it doesn't go directly to the miners first. So then they don't, you know, and then they don't custody it. And then they, you know, send it on to someone else. It doesn't happen. Yes, it doesn't happen. But they are fundamental and they do, they are in- integral to this process of, of, of moving money, of moving flows. And that's what the government cares about. They, they care about the concept of moving funds. They don't care necessarily how it's done because they said in their language through any means. So Bitcoin, you know, is a technical a marvel achievement, right? And what they were able to do, but fundamentally that doesn't matter to the government. You know, they, they don't, and they just miss this because they only commented on a small por- portion of what Bitcoiners do. And they also were focused on personal people, not miners operating as a business. Um, and they also only focused on the creation of new Bitcoin. They completely forgot or didn't know about the fact that miners, um, I just think they didn't focus on it. They, they didn't focus on the fact that miners are moving money or, or, or you know, Bitcoin from A to B. So, um, I think I'm done on my rant. If you will, oh, hi, Josh. I saw you. I'm kind of driving here. If you want to, if you want to talk, I'll bring you on. Let's see if I can do that. Um, yeah. 
think I invited you to speak. If you want to speak. If not, um, I will um, probably shut this down here now. Um, I um, This meant to be a different conversation. I really went off on stable coins. I never, end up, I never know where my my thoughts are going to go. I just do these really off the cuff. Uh, um, but anyways, okay, I guess I'll, uh, I'll end it here.